Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Longest-running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine, and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. It's another very special show for us this week as we're back on the road again. Uh, last uh, fortnight ago, not last week, but the the one before, uh, this is episode 33 of Series 11, by the way. So on episode 31, we were celebrating the first of something. It was the first time that the FIA World Endurance Championship was in Mexico. This time, it's the last of something. This is the last time, at least for the near future, that the FIA WEC and the IMSA series will be together here at uh, the Circuit of the Americas, just uh, south of Austin Airport in Texas. Uh, I'm John Hindorf. Over and up in London is Tim Greer. Hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. Right, not hearing you, Tim, so I shall carry on regardless uh, and... Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll get Tim back in a wee while. Shea Adam is off to my left. Hello, Shea. Hello, John. Uh, overcast at the moment, but a track temperature of 114 degrees Fahrenheit, air temperature 93 degrees, uh, a very, very uh, high humidity, well, not very high, but 50% humidity at the moment, and the cars you can hear in the background are the Continental Tires Sports Car Challenge machines in the last six and a half minutes of their practice. Cameron Castles in the number 12 Porsche with the fastest time uh, at the moment. I presume that was Trent, uh, yes, Trent, put, Hinman. Trent Hinman that put that time in. Uh, one, two, two, twenty-three, eight. Uh, hearing Tim just in the background a little bit, so um, oh yes, keep going. A little bit. bit more. bit more to me. That's That'd all I lovely. can give you. Alright, okay, that'll do then. Uh, and well, good evening to you properly then, Tim. Good evening, John. Okay. Hopefully, um, the listener is hearing you fine. Um, and uh, uh, London we has been hot from and a, uh, as well. Listener. We're waiting to hear from uh, a listener, yes. Um, uh, London has been hot and uh, sticky. It has it? been, yes. Uh, it was uh, once again in the 30s uh, today. Um, yesterday was the hottest September day we've had since 1965, sorry, 1955, and wow. uh, today is the second hottest September day since 1955. Consistency, at least. Yes. Uh, I'm just waiting for our listener to uh, uh, tell us that I'm being yes, heard by anyone else. Now. I have just heard. 
And in the minute since we said the track temperature, it's gone down two degrees because of cloud cover, and uh, we could have rain here anytime shortly. Extraordinary how quickly things can change uh, here, just with the, the cloud going across the uh, the sun. Uh, on a packed program tonight, Tim, we have what? Uh, we have all the usual features tonight. Um, but we also are bringing back an old favourite uh, uh, in response to a comment that uh, the show isn't fun anymore. We're going to have some fun. Oh, dear. Uh, and we're also going to bring in a little bit of list- listener interaction as well. Okay, are we? Yes. But first of all, obviously Sunday was September the 11th, the day uh, where we all remember that it's Thomas Enger's birthday. Yep. And, and John uh, and a very special uh, birthday present for Thomas this year. Which was? The birth of his son. Ah. On his own birthday? On his own birthday. Oh, wow. I am yet to find out uh, the name for the child, uh, but uh, congratulations to Thomas. Uh, and on, uh, as I said, Johnny Palmer's you birthday. You also mentioned Johnny Palmer's birthday. Yeah. And... Uh, That is uh, relevant uh, for one of our other features tonight uh, because we're going to play, and I'm just going to replug that over there. Uh, can you talk to me again, John? Yes, I'm still here. Yes, you're just quieter. Okay, but you are in both ears now. Um, we're going to play Where's Nick, but instead of Where's Nick, it's Where's Johnny? Ah. Yes. So Have we lost Johnny? No, we haven't lost Johnny. We I know where he is. Uh, the question <laughs> is, can you... And so does he, more at the point. I'm not convinced about that. Really? <laughs> um, so we need to... Uh, we need to guess where he is from the clues I'm going to give you. And clue one is this. Right. He's outside the UK... But he's in a country where he speaks the language. Right, he's outside the UK. He's in a country where he speaks the language. At uh, Specutainment, please. Or at Radio Le Mans. Uh, hello to Dave Alcock. Uh, to Michael uh, Denny. To Alan Prosser. Uh, and uh, everyone who is... There seems to be a lot listening in tonight. Everyone who's a Leicester supporter, you are excused to watch history being made as your team plays in the Champions League for the first time. That is absolutely fine for you to be doing that. So please don't feel as though you've got to tune in. I absolutely understand that. Seem to be quite a few people heading towards uh, Texas at the moment, or already in Texas, who are listeners coming from far and wide. A lot of people on their way to Heathrow Airport tonight. Uh, I'm not sure, uh, or this afternoon, this evening, as I say, sorry, uh, this afternoon here, this evening for you. Um, I'm not sure... How you find out if there's any other collective members on on your flight with you? But you know if you know if you could just mention llamas a lot as you're going along. Well, and, the answer uh, is when you get on the plane, uh, yes. you ask the uh, stewardess if you can borrow her little uh, PA microphone. Ask, and say, ask the steward. Oh, that's a great hello, idea. And, and uh, see, there you go. And see who says hello, collective back. That's very good. Yes, very good. And if Alan's on your flight, even more bonus points. I think Alan doesn't get here till Thursday, actually. That's a great idea. So l- let's see um, if we can put the collective together on their 
various flights. Uh, we're at the Circuit of the Americas trackside for a big weekend of action. Uh, Shay and I have already been through the paddock. It's actually, most of the teams for the major event, Shay, are still actually loading in at the moment. There's still a lot of the haulers to come into the track. Yeah, all of the WEC cars were able to set up a little bit earlier because all of their stuff was flown in. Uh, I think maybe only two or three cars that are actually local-ish, but everybody still had to come in on a plane. The IMSA WeatherTech series, though, wasn't allowed to load in until about 2 o'clock today, so everybody just starting to get settled, and all of the haulers were lined up this morning, John, as I had to drive out to San Antonio to pick up uh, creds earlier. They all seemed very eager to just get into the paddock already, and they just look so cool when you're driving past all of them. The uh, Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge coming to an end, their first practice out on the circuit at the moment, and it is the uh, number 12 Body Motion Porsche, which will have the best time, 2.23.8, with Danny Baguette in the Seacher Wilson Porsche in second place with a 24.9. Then it's the Aston Martin, of Charlie Putman, the 0-9 automatic racing entry ahead of Billy Johnson in the 15, the Shelby 76, Paul Holton in the second of the Shelby's in fifth position. Now, the first of the ST categories is Drake Kemper. Nice. In, in the uh, 34 Mazda. Now, of course, you were at Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca last weekend for the Global MX-5 Invitational. Yeah, and Drake was there. He wasn't driving because he was not one of the drivers selected to get an invitation. He was still very much a part of the Mazda family, though, very present. And he was telling me just how excited he was for this race coming up this weekend. And Drake, a little bit of uh, interest to people out there. He races in a fire suit that looks like a tuxedo because that's just kind of his style. But he's also got a career or had a career as a child actor. Look him up on IMDb really? and prepare to laugh because there are some true gems in there. So I'll leave uh, people at home on the collective to find more about that. The uh, the circuit looks pretty good. There have been some changes here. I had a chat with Bob Barfield, race director for IMSA at lunchtime over at Marion's, uh, which was splendid. Uh, new curbs at various parts of the track to stop people uh, taking advantage of track limits, shall we say. Do you remember a few years ago in the World Endurance Championship race when Marcel Fessler learned not to go over the curbs? Yes. I have a feeling we might see that again this weekend. Yes, (laughs) me too. There's a few places. There's only one action area from last year that hasn't been attended to, and that's 19. But as Bo said to us at lunchtime, we can deal with looking at one area what we can't and just didn't have the resources to last year was deal with five or six different areas so a lot of the runoff uh, areas or runoff curbs uh, at some of those areas last year where track limits were effectively not enforced at all uh, that has now changed and they look tempting but i walked up to a couple of them this morning and i think they're going to be um uh, they're going to be a little more nasty than they might think. Um, we'll get Marshall Pruitt on in a moment to talk about IndyCar, so we'll take the opportunity before he comes. He was meant to be here now, but he's going to come in later on uh, this evening. Uh, so we'll take this opportunity to talk about uh, those changes to the circuit and, and and also to the racing this weekend. We're into that part of the season now, Shea, where 
and the check flag is now out for Continental Tire FP1, where emotions are running high. People are tired, they're emotional, they are fractious, passionate people always. And this is where things can really get interesting. Yeah, this is the race last year, remember, where uh, Joao Barbosa and Townsend Bell, I think it was, had a, a bit of a coming together on track that was due to flaring tempers. This is the place where championships really change. And with Petit Le Mans still to come, well, that's a race that you never know what's going to happen. You can't predict the outcome of that. You know coming into a track like Circuit of the Americas and a sprint race as such, if realistically you stand a good chance. So people in contention for the championship know just how important this weekend is and you look at our battles all the way through i mean the taylor brothers are 11 points back off dane cameron and uh, eric curran and joao barbosa and uh, christian fittipaldi only one point behind the championship leaders but you can't even count out the taylor brothers because 11 points is very much doable between this weekend and petit Le Mans. gtd we've got an opportunity here john for the first time this year a pole qualifying record to not be broken from last year because of the difference in the track Dion von Molke's pole time might stand which quite frankly would be pretty cool for Dion especially since he's not racing this weekend he will be around the track but we've got so many championship battles that are not over and this is the race where you really set yourself up for that finale and that opportunity to run for a championship what um it's a it's a busy weekend for a number of people, including us, running backwards and forwards between various different booths, which are not in the same area, anywhere near the same area this year of uh, of the circuit. Um, what about people potentially doing a couple of different races or more than two races? We see well, it quite a lot in IMSA, don't we? There are 12 drivers this weekend out of the entirety of the fields. Five series covered. Only 12 drivers who are competing in more than one race event. And the max we're seeing is two. Uh, nobody's trying to do a triple header. And quite frankly, you'd have to be crazy with the heat the way it is and the weather conditions. It would just wear you out entirely. But we've got some pretty big names who are stepping in from WeatherTech and going to Continental, which will be fun to watch. Only three drivers, though. Uh, Richard Bradley, Ryan Dial, and Ricky Taylor are the only three doing both the six-hour and our two-hour uh, sprint race. Two hours and a bit, I should say. I don't want to shortchange it at all. Please. The, uh, the big thing to watch, though, and I've hinted at it, is the weather because talking to locals, you know, they say on the news in the morning, well, the rain's going to go here. You're fine if you're at Circuit of the Americas. And then pop-up showers occur. We saw rain in the past. We know that it can happen. And quite frankly, I've got my weather gear with me. It's going to be in the pit lane every single session. At the moment, there is uh, uh, weather in the air just uh, north of us here. Anybody who's coming into. Uh, the airport at the minute are being diverted around and coming in back from the the southern side uh, of the airport. Um, although we haven't got TV pictures at the moment, we do have things like weather radar that are being fed to the booth at the moment. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport live from the Circuit of the Americas. Good evening, uh, or good afternoon as it is here with the time at just on a quarter past two uh, local time. Interestingly, uh, the time on the screen actually is wrong um, they, they haven't put it back the extra hour i've just realized that 
for the uh, the practice session. Track is clear at the moment, but it is a, a practice day here, although nothing going out over the PA at the uh, moment. One or two new places to watch from as well. New grandstand at the top of the hill at Term 1, I noticed as we drove in. And they're building something huge out by the tower, out behind for people to watch. I can't tell if it's going to be suites or whatever, but when I passed it yesterday... The press room with a view of the track? That would be a novel idea. That would be really nice. It's mm. going to be a big uh, a big bit of construction, and it looks like maybe they're pushing to have it done for the race coming up uh, in about a month and a half's time, but who knows? Um I mentioned at the, the start of the show, Shea, that this is the last time we'll have these two leviathans of sports car racing uh, together here. The move to May for IMSA uh, has been pretty much universally praised by everyone involved in the series and by anyone who knows anything about these part, this part of the world and their love of other sports. Well, it doesn't conflict with football. Yeah, that's the big thing. It's very hard to try and convince anyone, especially in Texas, if you haven't seen Friday Night Lights, that series, you should, that football is not the most important sport in the world because to pretty much everyone in this great state, it is. And for good reason. I mean, I'm a football fan as much as anyone else, but college football here is such a way of life that if you have a race on a Saturday and you have University of Texas playing down the street, you're not going to get anyone. Yeah, I was over by Bobcat Stadium uh, oh, very nice. uh, yesterday, actually, coming back from uh, a meeting uh, down in that area of, t- of uh, Texas. The other half of what you just hinted at, the move to May, means that we go to Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca in September. And having just come from there in September, I have to say that's a really good move too. Yes, lovely weather at that time of the year. A lot of fog in the morning, I Yeah, have to say. but that's, as long as you know that's going to happen, that's going to be fine. Uh, let's bring in Marshall Pruitt of Racer.com. Hello, Marshall. Hello, Marshall. And you uh, were, I was expecting to see uh, you here, uh, 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 you here with us this afternoon, um, snowed under with IndyCar stuff. So shall we start with IndyCar? And let's get this out of the way immediately before we start about on the track. James Hinchcliffe can dance. Well, he can do one dance. I mean, we, we you know, I, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, as my uh, colleague Robin Miller said, he is white and Canadian, so there are probably some uh, balance <laughs> no of performance taken. things to consider. Uh, but yeah, he, he was quite impressive uh, for what you would expect from that show. So, yo, yeah, loving what Hinch is doing. And as a quick sidebar, been snowed under with the Indy getting content ready for this weekend's IndyCar finale in Sonoma, but also for Circuit of the Americas with IMSA. So as someone who's fortunate to cover both series in North America, it's a uh, it's a busy old week, and with two days between uh, uh, Monterey last weekend for the Maz Road Indy finale, and uh, turning around to head out to lovely Circuit of the Americas, decided uh, instead of a 7 a.m. flight today, Push that back to 7 p.m. so I could get a little bit more done. So, too bad my cardboard cutout didn't show up, so you could at least have me in the booth there. <laughs> yeah, very good. Um, do I sense a, a slight anticlimactic feel as we head up to what is the end of the season for IndyCar? Now, I know IndyCar have had this truncated calendar in terms of where they're finishing the year for the last few years. It is a relatively early 
early finish. But I, I'm not I'm not feeling a buzz about this right now, Marshall. Well, I am, and I think there there has been considerable buzz uh, thanks to the wild card of the makeup Texas race being thrown in uh, just before we headed to Watkins Glen the weekend before last. Uh, that race was uh, scheduled to go off in June uh, during scrutineering weekend, and uh, they tried multiple times to get it in. Uh, rain and, and whatnot caused that delay. They pushed it back to uh, where the best spot they could find, which was uh, the weekend before Watkins Glen. And at least for me and what I've heard from some others, that crazy wild finish to the Texas race, I think, really energized uh, the close of the season. Then we went into Watkins Glen, where everyone saw speeds unlike anyone had ever witnessed at that track. And now we're going into Sonoma, where we know the champion is going to be a Penske driver. Uh, There were six drivers eligible, I believe it was six, eligible going into Watkins Glen for uh, all but Simon uh, Simon Penske, good lord. Simon Pagano and Will Power have been ruled out. So we know that Tim Penske will win the championship, which driver. And for me, and I I think for many IndyCar fans, the fact that we have the, the two drivers who have won all four of the permanent road course races this year going into a permanent road course. Um, I take that back, other than Scott Dixon at Watkins Glen, but essentially you have the two drivers who've dominated the permanent road courses going into Sonoma, a permanent road course, to settle this championship. Uh, you really could not ask for more talent uh, or more aptitude between uh, their teams and these drivers. I expect fireworks. And you also have one other added element, Hindy, in that Will Power has already won a championship. It took him a while. He finally got that monkey off his back at the uh, end of 2014. And here we have Pagano going for his first. So they both have you know, equal forms of motivation. But uh, you know that for one, he's trying to add to his legacy. And for the other, he's trying to break into that rather uh, exclusive club. Uh, Simon, obviously, being an old friend of ours from the American Le Mans series days, I think there are a lot of people rooting for him. Power has people yeah. rooting uh, for him as well. One thing for sure, the uh, the best team in the series this year has its two uh, top guns. It just absolutely preparing to wear each other out over 85 laps in Sonoma. If I'm thinking of how to set up a, a championship finale, uh, yeah, it'd be great if there were 20 drivers eligible, but to me, I kind of like the gunslinger element. One of the other teammates who's going to come out on top uh, and will uh, contact be involved. So, yeah, can't wait for Sunday. The the In terms of the season as a whole, it's been a pretty good season. We've said before that when we're talking about what's actually happening on the track rather than what's happening in either stewards rooms or worse still boardrooms and corporate headquarters then it's normally been a a better season um, than some that we've had in in the past how do you think this early finish sits uh, in terms of uh, the sporting calendar generally and motorsport in in particular I think it works well for IndyCar. I mean, we're, we're, we have this weekend's IMSA race, for example, uh, between the Roar, which kicked off the beginning of January, the first IMSA race of the year, January 28th through 31 at Daytona, and we will go uh, through September 28th to October 1st at Road Atlanta for Petit Le Mans. That's a good old long season, but 
at the same time, if you look at the uh, prototypes, for example, they last raced at Road America on August 7. Uh, you yep. know, five, six-week break. IMSA's season lasts longer, but there are also some pretty hardy breaks in between. If I look at IndyCar, where it started March 13 in St. Petersburg and wraps up September 18 in Sonoma, couple breaks here or there, but for the most part, it is it has been 16 races run at a fairly regular clip, and I think that I think that contributes in a positive way, Heidi. Uh, if you had stretching a championship over more months, but going away frequently during those months to the point where you might be forgotten a little bit, I don't know if that helps. So at least for IndyCar's pacing, I'm uh, I'm fairly positive they're going in the right direction. No, I, I like the idea of it being uh, fairly regular uh, in terms of, of popping up every couple of weeks or so because you don't lose that, you know, uh, that big, big aim, the big more momentum. And once you've built up momentum with a, a great race going away for two or three weeks or more, and I, I think <laughs> WEC, funny enough, have, have learned this lesson and have generally just squeezed events together when they've been able to and I'm, I suspect we'll see more of the same when we finally uh, get the full 2016 excuse me 2017 uh, WEC calendar which I would expect to be if not here um, although I haven't seen a calendar announcement actually now that I've just said that so uh, possibly not until we're on the Far East races. Uh, let's bring ourselves back to the circuit of the Americas uh, Nothing, nothing of any import happening until Marshall Pruitt lands uh, later on this evening, and oh, therefore don't uh, tomorrow morning is when things really. <laughs> it's the law. It's written in, written into the uh, the uh, standard supplementary regulations. I've seen it. Uh, the uh, IMSA going through uh, a, a forced period at the moment of transition in a number of classes. We've talked about this before we're still waiting to find out on the dpi front we'll not labor that uh, any further but those uh, we talked about the positive side of that relatively recently marshall with uh, testing for things like tires for balance of performance and all that sort of thing that had, those things had already been put into place by imsa there's a shuffle next year with the lmp3 cars coming into their own category prototype challenge is being phased out. We knew it was going to happen, and we've got our first casualty on that, and that, that's Core, who've been such a well, they've been a staple of that category since it was brought in to the big show in the American Le Mans series era. Yeah, oh, I have to admit, Andy, when we were at Road America and had the LMP3 in it. Well, we had many announcements, but we had the uh, LMP3 announcement that coming in uh, meant to be the Pro-Am replacement for PC, but not within the WeatherTech Championship. Uh, it was great to hear that there were people buying cars and there are folks that are interested in this new P3 platform, but there were also some very loud critics uh, within the paddock, within the PC paddock, about the choice to move... Uh, this, the Oreca FLM09's replacement out of the big top tier series and drop it into a support series. And I think you can accurately align Core, the number one clear, most 
kick-ass PC uh, team we've ever had. I think we can absolutely align their choice to move down to GTD in a Porsche with the fact that they will no longer have a uh, a Pro-Am PC class to uh, fully invest themselves in starting in 2018. So you say, well, then why wouldn't they just continue next year uh, with the PC, knowing that they have one more year with the car? That's a good question. Um, but I think, you know, Having spoken with Bobby Ergel, for example, who uh, announced that he'll be moving uh, the PR1 Matheson team from PC to prototype next year, uh, buying a, a spec WEC P2 Gibson-powered car. Uh, although we spoke for quite some time, I, I use some of uh, his quotes, not too much, but uh, most of our conversation was uh, just a direct one, or I guess you could say off the record or between us, about his dissatisfaction with this exact decision to pull a Pro-Am prototype class out of IMSA starting in 2018, uh, and that if there were, if P, well, I don't know if P3 would be fast enough, but regardless, the lack of a Pro-Am prototype class uh, starting in 2018, helped PR1 Matheson to say, all right, we're going to go prototype now and just make the move because we don't like the lack of options we have that are coming up after 2017. Uh, I think you might hear more of that. But granted, on the flip side, you speak to a Peter Barron, for example, with Starworks Motorsport, and he's as happy as can be for about next year. What uh, what's coming, the interest that continues to stream in to run PC cars. So, you know, as you said, forced transition with uh, the new look prototype class and also a forced transition on a little bit longer timeline of the current PCs being pulled out of uh, WeatherTech Championship, going down to three classes. And I don't think this is the last we're going to hear of a PC team uh, moving to a Pro-Am dynamic that might not involve a prototype. Uh, might not We might not be hearing all that this year, but I think we're going to see more of this next year uh, because ultimately... Folks who want to do pro-am stuff at the top level probably want to be in the top class. And if they're spending good money, uh, I don't know if the decision to move P3 to uh, something outside of the WeatherTech Championship is going to uh, be as big of a uh, a sales point uh, for teams trying to make money and stay in business. I hope, you know, look, we all hope everything IMSA does and decides to do succeeds and helps the sport grow. Uh, Anybody that doesn't have that wish, I probably don't like them. But do we have some concerns? Are we seeing some things where some team owners are going, yeah, that's that's not the direction for me. We are. Uh, We also expect there could be some more moves like this. Uh, but, you know, one way or the other, uh, I hope that those teams end up getting what they want uh, and the series does not suffer as a result through low car counts or just uh, negative press. Um, big milestone for Michael Shank Racing this weekend. Back in 2004, Mike Newton and Tommy Erdos, among others, were in a Daytona prototype at, uh, at Daytona. And... It is now 250, well, 49. 249 races have been completed. This will be the 250th. And uh, because of their tie-up with the Aero Paint guys, they've got a, a retro, really smart-looking retro livery coming up this week. That's a lot of racing, isn't it? And, and you know, particularly for people outside the States, they probably don't 
that don't perhaps know Michael Shank Racing as the uh, as the organisation that has done that many races and have have uh, have been such an important part of the scene over here. Yeah, very much part of the brick and mortar. And uh, really, if you're looking to tenure, uh, we can look at the spirit of Daytona racing, which uh, they call themselves Visit Florida Racing today. Um, there aren't many that were around when uh, when Grand Am and, and its Rolex series uh, kicked off the new prototype, Daytona prototype era. Uh, so, yeah, to me, it's just cool cool to see that there is a uh, an entrant that continues to be uh, fully invested and you know frankly 250 is a big number it's a good number uh, we love Michael Shank now granted uh, that's been prototype starts uh, we're expecting to hear some news this weekend which could confirm uh, they will be kicking off uh, they'll be starting a new number uh, on GT starts in the uh, not too distant future, but at least for now, we uh, we know that we can celebrate this 250 at Circuit of the Americas. And another quick note is, uh, you know, last year there was a different livery on the car, and it was a tribute livery in honor of uh, a dear friend we lost. Uh, I think it's a nice uh, nice turn that a year later, uh, not that we're forgetting our friend, but uh, knowing that there were heavy hearts in the Shank family last year at Coda, uh, and a tribute livery that uh, spoke to Justin Wilson. It's also nice to see that this year they can go back uh, and just simply celebrate themselves for being committed to uh, North American sports car racing. We also have the fact that they made their Le Mans debut this year too, Heidi. So again, just in general, uh, if you are looking for someone to enjoy uh, in the paddock, uh, whether you're new to uh, North American sports car racing or not, Mike Shank's one of the good ones. Uh, good guy, always has time, but massive enthusiast. So uh, whenever we get a chance to celebrate something cool that's going on, whether it's Corvette uh, hitting the century mark on wins, uh, Shank with 250 starts, heck, even Ryan Hunter Ray celebrated 200 IndyCar starts at Watkins Glen. You start seeing these big numbers put up. Uh, it's just a reason to smile you know the sport there are lots of things that you see argued about and argued over on the uh, social media domains and uh, everyone knows what they're talking about and everyone's an expert and everyone's right and everyone else is wrong (laughs) I'm always a fan when we just have something where you go that's good nothing to complain about everything is fantastic let's stay with some here on Midweek Motorsport. We're live uh, from the Circuit of the Americas Big Weekend Sports Car Action here as IMSA and the FIA World Endurance Championship come together for the final time, certainly for the, the near term at least at this venue, going their separate ways with different dates here. Uh, next year, uh, 15 years ago, uh, there was a terrible accident at the Lauzitz ring, and Alex and I almost lost his life, and he's picked up another gold medal in the Paralympics. Uh, ironically, on the site that was a racetrack where I believe he got a pole position earlier on in his driving uh, career. Great news and proof, if any of us really needed it, that Alex continues to be a fierce competitor and just a tremendous human being oh yeah he is liquid he is 90 percent liquid water inspiration and the other 10 just substance and general awesomeness uh he's let me look getting to speak with alex 
is is like swallowing a you know a handful of batteries. It's just amazing. You, everything lights up. Granted, that might not be a good thing. I'm not condoning that, boys and girls. But it's just awesome. There are a few people in our sport, and probably even fewer in our personal lives, where you can say that person affects me in very real and positive ways. Everything becomes brighter, happier. You feel better, and you're also in start to lead a better life. And he's one of those guys. It, it is a rarity. Uh, but man, thankful for uh, thankful for him. Another thing too, which is pretty darn cool, is you know having just won yet another Paralympic gold. Uh, this guy is just a continual source of inspiration. Uh, funny as heck. Uh, everything that you would want in a person is uh, wrapped up in Alex Zanardi. So yeah, we have uh, we. Last week, or was it two weeks ago? I think it was last week. Celebrated the uh, fifth, the twentieth anniversary of the pass of his uh, famous pass of Brian Herta at the Corkscrew Laguna Seca to win that Cart IndyCar race. We have the uh, you know Lausitz ring, which we can't forget. Lots of things that uh, we can't forget over the past uh, three or four days and uh, week in general. So yeah, again, anything that's tied to Alex. Uh, we are, are fortunately able to celebrate, and with him continuing to kick butt in the Paralympics uh, right now, um, yeah, we need to get him on, Heidi. We need uh, that's a good idea. I, I think idea. midweek motorsport needs some Alex Zanardi as soon as possible. He's never uh, he's never disappointed when we have had him on uh, had him on in the past, MP. Um, I just want to circle back around to uh, IndyCar and to Indy Light actually. Just wonder if we're seeing a changing of the guard with Trevor Carlin's team uh, taking a championship in just its second year. Oh, brother, how much time do you have? Um, Go for it. Yeah, well, uh, I cannot tell you how massively unimpressed I was with uh, how uh, Trevor and that team earned their championship last weekend with Ed Jones. Uh, just something that, uh, as I have said, as I have debated, uh, as I have had calls and texts with uh, series officials, you name it, uh, in the days that have followed since that race on Sunday where Ed Jones claimed the Indy Lights championship and the million-dollar advancement prize from Mazda, team orders to win a championship in uh, junior open wheel racing, a place where individual talent should be the sole form of determining a champion. Uh, When you have team orders come into play to tip the championship in one driver's favor instead of the others, I found it appalling. Uh, Now, granted, I'm saying this as an American, uh, mm-hmm. That is my sense of it, and I, I say that for a reason, not that that means anything more or less, but as someone who's grown up and only grown up in America and has spent a massive number of years working in the American junior open wheel ladder system, uh, many, many years, decades in Indy Lights as well, which tells you how good I was not, um, I just, I was shocked by the decision, by the pressure applied to Jones' teammate, Felix Sorales. And for those who didn't watch and weren't aware, uh, the 2016 Indy Lights Championship came down to the final race. Uh, It was a doubleheader at at, uh, Monterey, a race Saturday, a race Sunday. 
the championship was not decided on Saturday. Came down to Sunday's final race. Uh, Ed Jones started on pole. Uh, Ed, Ed held the championship lead coming into that final race. Ed held the pole. Uh, was by the end of the first lap was in fifth. Uh, Santi Arusha, Santiago Arusha from Uruguay, driver for uh, Schmidt Peterson Motorsports, made a blinding start. Uh, made a very aggressive pass to get by Ed, which he needed to do because he was behind in the points, not by much, uh, but made a blinder of a start, got by Ed. Uh, Again, Ed went from first to fifth on the opening lap, uh, happened to have Zach Veach up front leading. Uh, Santi was in second. Uh, I'm blanking on who was third. We had Carlin's Felix Sorales in fourth. Keep in mind that by this weekend and by Sunday, there are only two drivers capable of winning this championship. Ed Jones, Santi Arusha, everyone else, uh, while they were vying for a win or improving their own position in the standings, title came down to these two. Uh, Sorales, who was ruled out, uh, was in fourth. Ed was in fifth. As they ran, and as they ran the entire race... We had Santi in second, who would have won the title, or would have taken the title, uh, with an advantage of two points, having overcome his deficit and moved ahead by two points, with Ed in fifth. Ed spent the entire race doing all he could to get past Felix Sorales, his teammate. Teammate, you can say, well, they're teammates. Carlin, you know, this is a a group thing that won the title. We need to be real here. Felix Sorales, his sponsors, brought money to Carlin to go and try and win this championship to promote himself and move up to IndyCar. This isn't sports car racing where you hand off cars, you win as a, as a team. This is a group of individuals trying to beat one another to move up and become IndyCar stars. Uh, as I heard and was told by some very senior officials uh, who were listening in to radio transmissions, uh, Felix Sorales' ears were being blown up the entire time to move over and let Ed by and got so frustrated that uh, he let a very loud and clear curse uh, come back over the radio to the team of, you know, bleeping enough. And all that being said, Ed drove his heart out to try and get past Felix and could not. On the final lap, in lap on lap, th- or, I'm sorry, turn three, of the final lap, Felix Sorales pulled over, let Ed by, and by letting Ed by, uh, from moving him from fifth to fourth, Ed uh, earned enough points to claim the championship. Now, again, I know if we are talking sports cars, professional racing, IndyCar, Formula One, I don't know many people that are fans of team orders, but... I at least can understand team orders in big professional sports. I shouldn't say understand. In big professional sports, I might grasp it a little bit better. In a junior series where you are trying to demonstrate your skills and abilities and make statements, uh, in my opinion, Felix Sorales should not be the person wielding the power to decide who yeah. wins the championship and who loses the championship. That's what happened after having massive pressure applied and finally relenting on the last lap to let his teammate by. Now, Ed Jones is not a bad person. 
Ed Jones did not make Felix Sorales, Felix Sorales pull over, but I will tell you that while there were some celebrating in Victory Lane, there were even more that were not. And I can tell you, and I won't put names on it, but uh, I had a lot of conversations or heard from a lot of people, uh, very important people, very senior people in the series and otherwise, who were, who were appall- equally appalled in what took place. So, again, don't blame Ed, because Ed didn't make Felix pull over, but I'll tell you that my uh, opinion of Felix plummeted. And the fact that Trevor Carlin, who I, I think the world of, I'm, I also don't know if Trevor fully understands that at least here on, in North America, tradition of open wheel racing, knowing that every single IndyCar owner, and this is the last quick thing I'll mention, Heidi, every IndyCar team owner is a former race car driver, if not race car champion, IndyCar champion, or similar. Uh, they know the difference between a young driver who went and won a championship, passed the guy, got enough points, took the crown on merit, versus having someone move over to let it happen. So Ed will get that million-dollar check. Ed will get the three races next year in IndyCar, one of them being the Indy 500. All good things, and again, I hope, I wish for nothing but good things for Ed. But I can tell you that once that money runs out, and those three races are over, I am concerned how some of how some team owners might view him, knowing that yeah. he won the championship yeah. because of Felix Sorales, not because he overtook enough cars to get that title. But as you said, that's not his fault. And I, I, I don't disagree with very much that you said, if anything at all. Uh, the only thing is, it, it is a team sport, and there are two cars in the team, and I'm, I'll guarantee you that, that that the guys would have said we have to do everything that we can the problem is that it is a million dollars it is that huge opportunity and Carlin are a business and they want to push their their drivers forward um, I, I, I don't know how you can stop it um, whether you can stop it we've tried it in Formula 1 it didn't work um, we've tried it in other forms of motorsport I do agree with, with you in terms of the purity of of a um, a ladder system that we're talking about here um, being meddled with. I'm choosing my words very carefully, um, but I I hope it doesn't adversely Im- uh, impact anybody's career who was was involved in it in terms of the drivers. Um, and it's a uh, it's a sticky situation to be sure. Uh, it's, a, it's an odd one um, this just in Marshall and you're on the line while we've uh, got this um, I'm not sure if you've even seen this yet uh, just had the press release saying IndyCar announces aero kit freeze yep. for uh, for when I've just meant uh, lost it there 2017. 17 and a universal car in 18 now this this well, is a this is a massive volt fraff, fast from IndyCar, isn't it? Yeah, I've written about this. Uh, I, this the confirmation is new. Uh, I spelled all the stuff out 
not too long ago, a um, month or two ago, in a story, uh, and, and spoke with the, uh, interviewed the series here uh, a day or two ago about this and have been waiting for the official release to come out. Uh, Universal car is just another way of saying universal aero kit, meaning we'll no longer have of Chevy branded aero kits, Honda branded aero kits. It will be one new aero kit, not the old Delara stock bodywork that came with the car. The uh, the best part of the conversation with IndyCar competition president Jay Fry uh, centered on what are you going to do for that 2018 kit? Are you going to push boundaries? Are you going to try and reshape the look of the Delara DW12, which has rarely been accused of... Uh, of uh, beauty and he said yes I said so just idea could you go away from the overhead air intake go back to uh, one of the you know the, the more traditional low engine cover looks indie cars have had he said yeah absolutely not we are but yeah we could absolutely uh, I think I hope I believe IndyCar intends to take what we see today what we have considered to be the modern IndyCar shape and move it in a more appealing direction for 2018. Now, appealing, it's an individual thing, right? What I find beautiful, the next person might not. I do know that Jay used the word cool, make a cool-looking car, (laughs) something that looks cool, over and over again. So there does seem to be a recognition, without stating the current thing is ugly, uh, there's there's definitely some form of recognition that... uh, the, what's coming for 2018 could take fewer blows from the ugly stick, uh, or at least not nearly as many as the DW12 did when it was uh, introduced. So, uh, interesting times ahead. This is uh, one of many pieces of IndyCar's uh, future technology, future plans. Uh, they're revealing things in pieces, which I think is smart. Uh, so, we yep. will be hearing some point soon, Heindy, about cockpit protection. What are they going to do? What are they thinking? What are they working towards? We know that they have announced Brembo, which has uh, been nothing but a problem as the sole brake supplier. That will be changing for next year with performance friction coming in. There are more pieces coming and uh, I'll just very, very quickly wrap by saying for many, many years, Hindi, you and I have waxed about uh, IndyCar's ills, about their lack of imagination, uh, their lack of, of spinal fortitude to step up and <laughs> improve things that they know uh, aren't right or could be better. What I'm seeing and what I hope others are seeing is uh, with some new people in charge, uh, they are actually stepping up, making changes, trying to be proactive to make the series better, prettier, faster, just more. And, and uh, I'm applauding them for that, just as we've seen IMSA try and make some of these same changes uh, going forward as well with uh, GT3 adoption, the new DPIs that are coming. So, look, of course, we have some complaints. We can wait, you know, we can level on in whatever areas, but at least we can say both series are not stagnant and just trying to get by no. with the status quo. Does does a universal car potentially? make it easier or harder for a third engine manufacturer? Is there a potential for a third manufacturer or does a universal car signal a return to potentially a full spec series in the not too distant future? Opposite. This is uh, one of the greatest motivations behind ditching the aero kits, the custom aero kits. Uh, As Jay has told me more than once, 
big pushback they've gotten from manufacturers that they've been courting is, hey, engines, got it. That makes sense. We can promote that. We can build that or hire someone to build it. Aero kits? What the hell is that about? You know, we're, we're not <laughs> – how do we connect aero kits to whatever's sitting on the showroom floor? Uh, they have learned that the decision to create aero, individual aero kits and press them into service last year, uh, while it has helped in some areas and to had some positives, it's had a, a big uh, negative effect on uh, bringing a third or fourth engine manufacturer into the series. So mm-hmm. that's a huge reason for them going away. Another thing we'll be hearing about in the next couple of weeks is their plan for, as Jay calls it, deregulating the IndyCar chassis, meaning going away from true full 100%, well, I shouldn't say 100% spec, uh, but essentially going away from the cars being almost completely spec. So don't know what all those things will be, but we will be hearing that along with, uh, granted, we're going to have a spec aero kit coming in, I guess, which is a little bit comical. But there will be components, uh, could be suspension teams can make their own, could be some other things where uh, you will not have to go to the Delara trailer to buy it. Uh, you'll go to the shop floor and say, hey, Fred, make me five of those. So I like that. That's craftsmanship. Mm. That's people using their hands to make things instead of there being this kind of fuzzy, blurry, unknown place that just spits out uh, widgets one after the other. So that's another another thing that we have lost in IndyCar since the DW12, and that is the ability – or fabricators. There's been an all-time low in the need yes. for fabricators in American open-wheel racing. This plan for deregulation, to whatever degree I know is meant to help fix some of that, because IndyCar's told me how, how sad they are that uh, – Again, handcrafted components have really almost been driven out uh, from uh, every single team shop floor. So, again, another good step, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, thanks, MP. Sorry, um, I was busy looking at the timing uh, here in front of us. Thanks, MP. Uh, always a pleasure to speak to you. Safe travels, and we'll see you here before the weekend. Marshall Pruitt from Racer.com joining us on the line for Midweek Motorsport. We're live at the Circuit of the Americas. I was getting tied up there in the second free practice session for the Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge USA by Yokohama. Daniel Morat with the best time uh, of, the se- uh, of the session so far. He is our GT3 Cup Canada champion. The Ultra 94, crown. yes. He, uh, he, he, that was last time out, didn't he? He... Uh, he clinched our championship. Jesse Lazare, and the reason that I was, there was a slight pause at the end of Marshall's report there, Jesse Lazare is down in 12th position uh, for the man who has completely shared, dominated this season in Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge USA by Yokohama. Well, and Daniel Morad hasn't been here before. Jesse has. Maybe Jesse is working on the setup run. I feel run and we we don't know if uh, it's a speed thing versus a setup or comfort level. We don't know what's going on with Jesse's car, uh, but of course the young man from Montreal who's been dominating, we would expect him to jump back up the charts as soon as things sort of shake back out. If by qualifying tomorrow he's still 12th, then I would be worried. So, uh, Sebastian Landy and Michael De Casada locked together for the GT3 Gold category championship title, and they are in 14th and 15th position at the moment. Lucas Catania, the best of the full season runners uh, in second place in the 26. Uh, that is uh, a 2.13.3, so he's barely a tick of the clock away 
0.051 of a second. That's the second free practice going on there. And should point out, Anthony Imperato is up in third. Good showing from him. He's been, I think he's been finding real form, uh, Anthony, in the, the last few races. Those of you who are regular listeners to uh, our coverage on uh, IMSA Radio uh, will uh, will know that Anthony has uh, really been racing right at the sharp end of the field. So we're trackside for this big festival of uh, racing this weekend at Specutainment and at uh, Radio Le Mans on uh, Twitter, please. Uh, here's some thoughts from what we've been hearing. Uh, no place, Junior Formula, no place for team orders, says Kono Katachi. Uh, playing devil's advocate, says uh, Dave. He said, uh, surely, Dave Alcock says, surely a driver who follows team orders might be viewed as a team player or an asset by some owners. And a number of you asking what the uh, situation at the weekend might mean going forward to Carlin and uh, stated him to move up into the big show and IndyCar and how they might be seen. Um, I think it's, I, I do think it's a tough one, Shay. You, you know, we that's part of the road to Indy. Yeah. There's big money. We see it in the road to 24 as well. Uh, not quite so much money, but we're talking about a million-dollar prize there, a run at the Indy 500 for the driver concerned and a couple of other races. And I, as I said, I, I don't necessarily disagree, but it, it's a big temptation, isn't it, when a team has got the championship in its own hands, how would the sponsors, Marshall mentioned this, the sponsors of... of the guys there. How would the sponsors of, of Ed think if the team didn't give them the opportunity to win the championship? But it's also a junior formula. No, 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 I, yeah. I completely understand. It's also a junior formula and the precedent hadn't been set in that style of racing. So I, I don't know if the sponsors would think that they would have acted that way to get the championship. It's all very, very confuddled and we'll never know what it should have been or or how things should have played out because coulda woulda shoulda um but i will say that standing on the pit lane as mazda did uh home for heroes ceremony which was fantastic they gave away very very cool two mazdas of whatever choice the uh veterans would like and a house they gave away on the grid um standing there with all the Mazda drivers competing that weekend, and we had 82 drivers from 19 countries, and every single car on track was Mazda-powered. Pretty cool when you can say stuff like that. Santi, at one point, was leaning against a car, and Kenton leaned down to me, Kenton Cook, who was my co-commentator for the uh, Mazda Global Invitational, and he said, I wouldn't want to mess with that guy. Santi had such a look in his eyes, like he was going to do whatever it took to get the championship. For him not to come away with it, I would be afraid for the people he's racing against next year. Now he knows it can't come down to the final round. And for somebody who moved up from winning a scholarship the year before to get to that position to nearly winning the championship in his first year, I I would be a bit afraid of the uh, the monster we're going to see from Santiarita next year. And, and is that is he said that's what he's going to do? He's going to do another year of light? I haven't heard any any confirmation on any plans, but whomever he's racing next year will have to go up against that. Somebody who now knows that they need to win the championship in the first half by just completely dominating because you can't leave it to the end of the season. 
Okay, uh, Nick Damon is going to uh, join us after the uh, after the hour. Uh, we're. I was going to say we're going to play. Uh, we're playing. Where's Johnny? So I'll probably time for the second clue, if you don't mind. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, Tim, for where's uh, where's Johnny? It's not where's Nick this weekend, of course, is it? Well, well, I just uh, have you been uh, getting any responses on Twitter? Anyone guessing after the first? Nobody's clue? got a clue. Nobody, Nobody has a clue. got a big clue. We're Ooh. seeing nothing. Can no. I can I ask a follow up to your clue, Tim? Well, you can't have a follow up to a clue. Well, no, because you speak a Yoda version of a bunch of different languages, so you get away with it. Is it that same thing for Johnny that he can kind of sort of pass, or is he fluent? Uh, I, uh, I'm I speak uh, very good German and French. Um, no, 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 no. I did, sorry. Reasonable Italian. <laughs> it's only my Spanish that. I really struggle with, and uh, fortunately Sorry. I have both Nick and John to help me out whenever I get a press release in Spanish, <laughs> because they are much better at that language. Yeah, very true. I meant that John speaks a Yoda version of whatever language. Every language. Every language, and he's very good at it. He he gets uh, pizza with sauce and cheese when he orders one. Yeah, yeah. I never get a tie between two slices of bread. <laughs> good. Uh, Second clue. So no guesses. Uh, was there a follow-up question in there uh, Shay no just just basically was it really an, an English speaking country is what she was saying or can he speak other languages well, that's well for yeah, you to exactly. know about Johnny and uh, anyone who doesn't know that to find out later on the second clue is this did he get a lift to where he was going with Marvin did he get a cliff, lift to where he was going with Marvin. Midweek Motorsport, where John has just 48 seconds to tell you what's coming in the next hour. So coming up in the next hour, we'll be talking Formula One with Nick Damon as we have a weird race in Singapore that's not on the right time zone. Uh, we'll be catching up with Nick in a moment. He's on his travels as well. We'll have more news from here at the Circuit of the Americas where the Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge USA by Yokohama is on track at the moment. Now, series leader Jesse Lazare is only down in 12th position. It's a bit of a shocker, isn't it? And your tweets, please, particularly for Where's Johnny, to at Specutainment or at Radio Le Mans. If you've got an idea of where Johnny Palmer might be in the world right now, give us a tweet, at Specutainment or at Radio Le Mans. Second half of the show is next. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. Any idea why I'm playing this? Saplan pour moi, Plastic Bertrand. It's all right by me. Um, complete nonsense as far as language is concerned I had to deconstruct that in a French lesson at school about 40 years ago it feels like now, actually it was probably about 40 years ago when was you that were hit school, uh, let's give it a bit although yes, you can probably please. still hear it so that was it's alright by me by Plastic Bertrand Plastic Bertrand Plastic. Uh, Do you know where the original? It was it was taken from 
a song called Jet Boy, Jet Girl, which is not suitable even now for playing on the radio, um, it, which was uh, very weird. Anyway, um, Plastic Bertrand. Bertrand Baguette? No, Frederick Bertrand. All right, who's Frederick Bertrand? He's the FIA single seater commissioner. Is he, he plastic? From, particularly, he, he took over from uh, Gerhard Berger on uh, in that role. Right? Is, is he particularly plastic? Uh, I don't think I've ever met him, so I'm not sure I'm qualified to comment. Uh, but he has uh, been flying to Macau. Uh, because the F3 race in Macau uh, has had some issues. Yes, it has. Uh, first of all, the promoter, Barry Bland, uh, decided that Great name. to step down. <laughs> decided he wasn't exciting enough. Um, and now the FIA has announced that the Macau Grand Prix will be given FIA Formula 3 World Cup status. Right. Am I here yet? Hello, Nick. Because uh, previously it was only the FIA Formula Three Intercontinental Cup. Well, right. I think I know. I think I know what the reason for that is. Go on. Well, whenever there's a World Cup, there's an excellent chance for embezzlement, isn't there? So it's a way of him Stop making it. lots of money. Uh, there's going to be a whole series of uh, mm-hmm. FIA Formula Three World Cup races. Um. A series comprising of just the two races, though, Macau and uh, um, somewhere else which hasn't been announced yet. Uh, but I'm guessing it'll be Zandvoort. Um, make it better, make it a World Cup event. I like the thought. Uh, I like the thought of that. Um, well, I think the last thing you want to do is make it a World Cup because it means the British drivers will qualify well, then disappoint after the first two laps. Yeah, I'll get knocked out on penalties. Clearly. Yes, which is a weird thing to happen in a racing car. Uh, good news for the Germans, af- though. Yes, always good news for the Germans of World Cup. Uh, Nick, stand by, because we've got a special guest in the studio uh, as the chequered flag has just come out for the Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge USA. No real improvement by our championship leader, Jesse Lazare, still sitting. In fact, he's been in the pits for the whole time we've been talking about that. Or only did a handful of laps, seven laps. Uh, and he's only 12th position. That should make things interesting when those guys are back out later on. It's Midweek Motorsport, live from Texas in the circuit of the Americas. And CJ Wilson is with us. CJ, good afternoon. How's it going, guys? It's nice and hot outside, but you're here in the AC. It, it's not quite as ac as I would like it here at the moment, but I'll, it's, it's better than that. That's fair. That's Congratulations. Fair the monkey is off the back. You've got a win. A, a real Jibbles. win. A real win. Yeah. A real one hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent solid take the trophy home win. Was that a party and a half or what? I wasn't there. I heard it was good. I heard they had a great time. And you've had the rec- you've had the receipts for it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, it's great. I mean, you know, our team's worked so hard all year to to climb the mountain and um you know, to have finished uh, second, third, and second, and third, and second, and third so many times, you know, to, to get a win in GS is really nice. I mean, we're, we're progressing as a team, you know. We're looking at the development of a completely new organization, you know, for the paddock. And a uh, new car this year, and doing really well. In some ways, getting the car working well enough to get pole positions and to be at the sharp end of the field, 
that's great in your first year. Mm-hmm. In some ways, does that push the expectation up a little bit to the fact that you think we should have had that win? Oh yeah, I mean at Daytona, we I think we finished what, we finished second or third at Daytona, third, and we were like, ah, damn. What a crappy race! Yes, your first time. <laughs> it was our first time ever finishing like the top ten, because we in the Miatas we'd always get killed there, you know, in the yeah. S- in ST. So um, you know, it was just something. It was it was kind of funny. We're like, oh hey guys, podium sweet, you know. And then I was like, wait a second, hang on, we just podiumed to Daytona. That's pretty cool. That's a big step. This is this year might be a little bit better than we think. And yeah, the expectations have been high the whole year. And for us to be you know contending for championship points and stuff like that at every race is is a big deal. So how do you manage then? the sensible side of the team saying we're doing really well, we're developing a new car, with the clearly competitive side that says we want to win, and the frustration of saying, because you had been in a couple of positions where coulda, shoulda, woulda, oh, yeah. and yeah. didn't. That's real life. That's like real life. This, everybody that's never been in a race before, but you like racing, you know, it, the, the, the way you feel when you miss the bus or you miss your flight, that's how it felt at Watkins Glen. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then Road America was like, you know, you're talking to some girl in high school, and she's like, hey, I'll call you later. And then three days later, you see her with your best friend. That's what, that, that's what Road America felt like. It felt like we got just dragged out, dragged out in the alley and just had our underwear pulled over our head, you know? So because we had the crash also. We had the crash and the loss, you know, so that both those things were just like a double whammy, and everybody went home sad. How do you – and how does the team – do you first of all? Do you get involved at that stage? Can you come in and say anything to those guys that either makes it feels be- feel better for them or helps them focus further on? Because in your career, you will have had that feeling many yeah. times before. This is still a relatively new organization that you pull in. Right, and yeah, and, and that's the thing that's it's so much perspective that I bring into the table from having played professional sports for so long in college sports and amateur sports. So I've been an athlete for a long time, so I can relate to the drivers. I can relate to the crew guys because I know what it's like to grind and grind and grind because that was like sort of what it feels like in the minor leagues or getting injured or whatever where you're you're sort of treading water just to make it. And imagine this, right? You're the crew guy, you know, like Zach or Brennan, one of our guys, and then, you know, our car gets destroyed, and then you're like, ah, man, now we got to pull this thing apart and yeah. fix it and yeah. f- weld new crap on there. So that that is that the tedium of that is way worse than the the sort of oh we finished second yes. you know what I'm saying like oh we need to sharpen up our pit stop or you know when you're playing for tenths it's a whole different thing when you're you know tubbing a car or something so that's uh, thankfully we didn't have to do that but you know the car will be ready for Road Atlanta I was disappointed though personally just I'm going to drop this bombshell on everybody I was going to race this weekend. So I was just going to ask yeah. you about the credential yeah. round your neck that yeah. says driver. Yeah, I was going to race this weekend, but since the car got you know flipped over um, and turtle shelled for a little bit, uh, we weren't we can't get it ready in time. So you well, know. just go tell Danny he's not driving. No, no, no. Danny needs no. Danny's in the, in contention in, for you know rookie of the year and exactly. stuff like that. So you know, I really I was actually in the trailer with Danny just now going over data. And because Mark had to go, you know, be a fancy guy and go talk to somebody else about some other GT car or something like that. So um, someone's like, we need a bronze. It, it's so funny at these weekends, right? Because Mark having the experience now over in Europe for, yeah. for Le Mans a couple times, um, even though this year didn't really go as planned or whatever, last year had some hiccups. Uh, I think people understand now that he's available. Mm-hmm. And so it was sort of funny when um, somebody came into the trailer and they're like, uh, we need a bronze. Mark, are you, are you, you're a bronze driver, right? And he was like, <laughs> you just see him go in like the hard swallow. And he's like, Oh, here we go. 
So, so one I'm of these bronze, w- by the way. I just want you to say I've got an international C license and I am a bronze. Yeah, um, we got to work on me getting to be a bronze or me getting my international license because two bronze. We need two bronzes in the car. Well, I need to go over and do some do you some need track to get days me and stuff fit. like that. That's what you need to do. You need to get me fit and to right, lose about ten it. kilos. That's that's what I need to get back down to me fighting weight. Um, coming coming back to the season as a whole, though. If I'd offered you this at the start of the season, a win, being in contention, let's forget about what happens from now on for a moment. Mm-hmm. If I'd said to you at the start of the season, with a, a new manufacturer, um, a, a new category of racing, which is, all right, despite the fact there's slightly fewer cars than last year. Has but they're been, all good. Th- there's, I, mean, I was just about to say, there's yeah. no field fillers and the competition is sharp. Yes. All podiums, podiums, podiums. Uh, pole positions and now a win. You'd have taken that at the beginning of the season, wouldn't you? I, I, I don't know. Maybe because I listen. Racing is about greed, right? You want to win every race, no matter what. You want to get the fastest lap and the pole position and all the points. You know, you want to be like like Lewis Hamilton and Nico, just smoking Duking everybody else. Yeah. And um, and that being said, that's sort of what it has felt like to a degree with um with uh, Trent and with Billy. And with our car, you know, like the, the the those those two drivers in our car specifically, I feel like there's been so much competition between the three of our cars all season long. It's been fantastic to watch as a fan. And it was funny because I got all these text messages after Road America. It'd be like, holy crap, Guy Cosmo's back in the series? Yes. This is awesome. You see the talented level of drivers, second Charles autom- I was going like, to say the second automatic yeah. Aston coming in as yeah. well. And those guys have come in and been immediately competitive which that's hard to do as you well know yeah so it's you know there's a lot of talented drivers and the BOP is so good in this series people people you know poo poo that all the time and they're like oh BOP sucks hang on hang on shocker here let's get this out on a tweet immediately team owner says BOP okay Right? It's so, necessary in order to have a racing series that's not a single mark. Okay? They, or otherwise, everyone would be racing the same car. Right. So, and, and that's boring to watch. I mean, sorry NASCAR, sorry IndyCar. <laughs> like, it's more fun when... You just killed Twitter, by the way, <laughs> for yeah. saying that. So, <laughs> listen, it's great. But here's the thing. A lot of people, on, I, I read this on, on Renlist or Six yeah, Feet yeah. or McLaren Life or you know Twitter or whatever. People say this all the time. They're like, BOP sucks because of this, this, and this. Well, okay, it, it, I can understand that if you're the guy that's losing, you think it sucks, and if you're winning, you think it's good. But, like, we've had weight added to our car, but we knew that our car was going to be sharp, you know? It was yeah. like, like last year when the Multimatic Mustang comes in, and it's like, oh, a second faster than everybody at qualifying. Everyone's, like, pointing their finger like, like they need weight. They need weight. <laughs> so the thing that, that really sucks, and this is what I'll say as a team owner, is if BOP costs you more money to actually put the car on the track. Right. So that's where it gets more challenging, if they put more weight in our car, like, yeah, it's harder on our tires, harder on our brakes, but it's not like... But they're not actually, act, actually asking you to re-engineer the car. Correct, yeah. So at one point, they, was, they were saying, like, oh, maybe we'll have you do carbon doors and a carbon roof or whatever, and we're like, why the hell would we do that? <laughs> like, we're going to have contact, and there's 10 Gs out the window, you yeah. know what I mean? And we're here to race. We're not here to, like, just swipe the plastic. As much as everybody thinks that's what it's about, like, we're trying to run a real business here, yeah. you know? Speed costs time which you want to spend. That's the old adage, isn't right, it? Right, right. Um, looking towards the end of the season now, outside chance still of a championship. It, things would have to go very wrong for the 15 car, but I know you're going to be pushing them, and what, I suppose now it's just win all the races you can, that's got to be the... Yeah, I mean, mathematically, we have to win the next two races, Yeah, that's really it, regardless of whatever happens with the 15 car, if we don't win the next two races, you know, that's it, um, 
that being said, we're going to try to score as many points as we can one way or the other, whether we finish second you know, on Friday or we finish third, we finish first or whatever. We still have another race because we still have partners. We still have other yes. people interested in our team. And, you know, Till and Tyler will be back for Road Atlanta to, to race uh, that series. Um, and I, I think really more than anything, what we've tried to do, and you, you know this because you guys have heard me talk about it enough, establish ourselves in the paddock mm-hmm. as a serious team that's here for the right reasons, that's respectful to all the other teams and all that stuff, and we're not trying to come in and level five everybody. You know what I mean? That's really, you know, if that's a, is, is that is a, a verb, that that's a verb level, now, five. level fighting. <laughs> so um, that's not what this is. You know, we're, we're competing with everybody on equal grounds. We're doing everything the right way. You know, it's like we've we've talked to everybody about it. And we have goals when we want to get to the other paddock, but we have to prove that we're ready for it. Uh, now, that was what I was going to ask you. You have, as a team, um, become, if you like, one of the poster children. One, because there's another number of teams who've done similar things, who've come up through... Continental Tire in ST, which is a development class of a development series. You're now in the top category of that with a GT4 car. And the eye's got to be on moving up. A word, first of all, CJ, about about Continental Tire. We used to say it was one of the great undiscovered race series in America. We've kind of done our best to take it to as many people as we can and the numbers that we get here on IMSA Radio and through the streaming video on the app um, on a Friday of a Saturday race or a Saturday of a Sunday race for the big, for the big show is, is really impressive now. Well, because the quality of the racing is so good. There you you go. have Because you have all the manufacturers involved, you know, Aston, Porsche, Chevy, um, you know, Ford, Mazda, Mazda, Honda, Nissan, BMW, Audi, you know, who's not there. Who's not there. Yeah. yeah. If you're not in continental, what are you doing? Right. Yep. So, I mean, in next year, or as these, as maybe the TCR regulations come out or the GT4 global regulations come out, hopefully we see more variety of cars because that's what makes as a racer. That's what's so awesome about sports car racing. Otherwise, you would just do F2000 or Star Mazda or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with those series because they're great. But, you know, it, being able to brand your car and, and, and see people waving the manufacturer flags, the, the Mazda flag, the BMW flag, and seeing that as a, you know, as a fan in the paddock of, at these events, it, it makes you feel like, whoa, these guys are they're rooting for us. Yeah. This is cool. Now, and people hit me up and they're like, hey, where can I get some C.J. Wilson merch? And I'm like, well, we don't really have any yet because we're still just, like, trying to focus on of the car. This major global sports car empire is is still just growing at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So I mean for me and, and so for me the big challenge is as I'm developing my dealership group, you know what I mean, as well on the side, then this is a part of that. And then it's like the next announcement that we're gonna have is gonna be very exciting about the, the, the dealerships that I'm buying and that I'm gonna be the owner of and I can talk about that maybe at Road Atlanta. But okay. um, So st- stepping up from S T to G S in Continental Tire, um, that was a big step. It is a big step, but at the same time it's a known quantity. We're already in the series. We're already in the paddock. We know the tires. You know, we know we know how the format of the race works. We know the the tech people. We know what they're looking for, what to expect. We know if we have a cracked windshield, we're not going to get to go out and qualify and get stuck in the back. What was that, Sebring last year, maybe? Watkins, Watkins yeah. So, you know. So, we, so we how know. is that then about jumping out of Continental Tire and planning for the future? And I'm, I'm not asking you to say you're going to do it next year or the year after or whenever. You'll mm-hmm. do it when you feel it's right. I've taught you enough about this to say you'll only go to IMSA WeatherTech when you feel that everything is in place. But there's a, there's slightly less of a known quantity going across into GT Daytona and making mm-hmm. the step up from a GT4 to a GT3 car. Right. 
And does that make it harder to make that decision and know when it's right? Well, all the drivers, everybody wants to drive the fastest car. Everybody <laughs> out here in the paddock, More and that, power. that dude, that dude with the blue hat on across the across the track over there, <laughs> he he wants to drive an LMP1 car. Everybody wants to, right? But it's like he's not. I don't think he's going to fit in one. So it's like the thing is that you have to. You have to sort of set goals for yourself, and our goal obviously is to win a championship at every level on the way up to prove that we can go forward. Because mm-hmm. I did have a good talk with John Doonan a couple of years ago, because mm-hmm. we were talking about, you know, what about the this or that? Like, what's what's Mazda's next development? And this, I mean, this is, we're talking like maybe 2013. So this is maybe after we when you were in the MX5s. We were running MX5s, and he was like, "Man, he's like, before you guys move up, maybe you should think about winning a couple of championships." And I was like. Fair play, John. Okay. And that stuck with me because it made me think that in order to win the championship, we have to do everything right. We have to be professional. We have to have consistent. Across a whole season, not just Across a whole time. season, not just a race. Not just going out there and getting the, you know, renting a car, winning the Daytona 24-hour. Like, not like it's easy to do, but just doing a one-off thing, yeah. winning one race is totally different than being a perennial contender. Correct. Because that's, that's what you want to do. That's what the series wants is they want to see us sort it's of what use... any sports team, what any franchise wants to do. You right. want to build that dynastic following through the years where pretty much everything you put your hands to, you can say, we can go win at that. Yeah, exactly. And, and also, it also is knowing your limits. People ask me, hey, what about NASCAR? And I just sort of laugh because I'm like, do you realize, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Like NASCAR is so expensive. Yeah. There's no, there's, I mean, the stepping stones to that are expensive. They're, they're and anybody who thinks, by the way, who's outside the U.S. that's just drive fast, turn left. Think again, because no, the technology I, and those I, engines in particular. Yeah, well, even the bodywork. Like I went to go to, I went to Joe Gibbs's racing shop um, a couple months ago, and they have their their bodies are carbon, steel, and aluminum, all sort of homogenized together somehow with the claw, and they're they're like finicking around with like a tenth of a millimeter. They're like, oh, this will be better at Darlington. And you're like, all right, whatever. So we're not we're not ever going to go there. That's just not for me. You know, we're a sports car team. We want to go to win it the twenty four hour. That's what Le Mans. you understand. Yeah, it's what I understand. It's you want to go and win the twenty four hour of the month. Yes, that's the goal. But but how many steps are in the way to that? I don't know. It's just going to d- depend on uh, do we impress a manufacturer enough to be, to get a, a factory gig? And we've been in contention for a couple. And we you know win the silver medal and the bronze medal on our on our pitches. You know, and that's okay. <laughs> but it's hey, we're getting asked. We're getting asked to fill out. Things like that. So some of these new cars that you're going to see on track next year, we put pitches in for those, you know. Right. And we were we were very honored to have a chance to, to pitch those. So, you know, it's just a matter of are we going to add something or are we going to just jump o- across the street? And I think it makes more sense to do, to like if I was to map it out, to say we're going to do what we're doing now and run in GS and maybe even run a customer – GT3 Cup team or you know something like that because it does make sense, mm-hmm. and then um, then then we can take those guys and put them as the bronze drivers in a GTD program. Yes, you know what I mean. And then we can stay in GS or stay in GT3 Cup and and still work those types of angles to develop not only our feel but almost like the way NASCAR teams do the truck series. And well, that's good. But we're all here. Is, we're all here. But isn't the that going back to here. what you know as well in terms of double AA, A, triple A? You yeah. know, it's where people come through. You find talent, you nurture them, you bring them through. In terms of the business side of it, and you and I have talked about this many times before, the business side of it has to work. I left my wallet in the trailer, so don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd open it up and there would be butterflies flying out at the race weekend. There has to be a good business reason. Nobody does this to lose money. So 
in terms of a business proposition, when you approach a sponsor, when you look for drivers who can bring budget, Continental Tire GS at the moment is, is where you are. Is that a compelling argument for people to want to spend money? And how do you then look forward to the next step, which would be GT Daytona? Um, and is there a business model there? I, I suppose what I'm saying is, is sports car racing and IMSA's take on sports car racing, is that a genuine business opportunity for someone who can run a team well and be successful? It is if you're patient. And most people are not patient because they want to go fast. So they want to develop fast, they want to race fast, they want to learn fast. And the, the reality is, like, you have, to, you have to move like an icicle. You have to develop one drop at a time. You know what I mean? You can't really... You can't really just snap your fingers and be a GTLM team. It just doesn't happen. And when people have to realize that, like, if you were to start a GTLM team, it would cost you $10 million, you know, something preposterous like that, because you'd have to buy all this yes. stuff, all these all this equipment. You'd have to go headhunt everybody and steal them from somewhere else, because you can't just take a guy from Home Depot and be like, okay, you're our tire guy. We're going to go to... But what a story that would be. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you would... It's if like, anybody's going to do it, he'd do it. You know that. the pretzels. Yeah, we need, to do, we need to work on that with our, uh, with our Forza program, with, with Tora. We need to have, a, we need to have a, an engineer program for the video game guys. But, you know, what, what I would say is, um, you know, the, the business case is directly related to visibility. So our visibility is super high because we've hired you know, Declan, the PR guy. So Declan does all of our PR and gets us in front of people. So, and we, we make pitches, like we have creative pitches and I'm working on one with actually one of the other teams right now in our paddock because it's a compelling story. Right. So if I get this story right and we take this and I write the whole story cause I was a screenwriting major and I, I say like, okay, I can storyboard this out. And then we pitch that to European car or Jalopnik or Autoblog or Car and Driver or Road and Track or somebody like that and say, yeah. hey, we're going to shop this around. Is, is anybody interested in this media that we could create from this and the compelling story behind it? And I think that's really what it is. So the thing I talk about all the time is the drivers are very interesting people. Yes. Some of them are weird, really weird. And that's awesome. That's cool because they're not robots. No. You know, we don't have a lot of corporate robots in our no. paddock. We have guys that have mohawks and mullets and you know, mustaches on purpose and all this stuff. And it's just like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I've got a mustache by, I've got a beard by accident this week. I see, that's a, that's a big distinction. You know? <laughs> so my, my, my thing is though, if you can get your product on a car and that team is a hardworking team like us, and we can get your car on national magazines and get getting hundreds of thousands of YouTube plays. Yeah. That's a business case right there. Serious question. Yeah. CJ Wilson is a brand. Does that help the team? Oh, Totally. Yeah. And you, 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 you have no problem with that because, you know, it's, it's right. you use what you've, you've got. Right. Yeah, use it or lose it, right? right? So, I mean, the thing is that when I started the team six or seven years ago, whatever it was at the time, I realized that I might not be, you know, Lewis Hamilton, right, as a driver or whatever, as a racing entity. And I might not be, I mean, just use somebody like Randy Johnson or something as a pitcher. Somebody, I'm, not, I'm neither one of those guys, but I'm the only guy that does both. And because of that, I have a little bit of reach as a utility player, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And now that with the dealerships involved, you know, I mean, our organization's pretty big. We're about to add 120 employees to a 230-employee business. How many dealerships at the moment? 11. And stretching from? Chicago to Southern California. And what sort of brands are we talking about? Uh, from Mazda to McLaren and a couple things in between. And you're about to expand? Some more stuff in between on the high end. 
Right. Some German yeah. stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can't possibly think what that might be. No, I don't know. I can't tell you anything about that. <laughs> so, um, so there's money. So the other thing is there's money in selling cars still. So yes, people, people say that it's a difficult, a difficult arena to be in, which clearly it is. It's hard to crack into. Right. So that's the thing. And I've talked to a lot of people about this, and I've, I've advised a lot of people to inquire about how to do it because there are a lot of really bad dealers out there. So a lot of the manufacturers are upset with, let's say, the bottom 15 or 20% of their dealer group, whether it's Mazda or Mercedes or Porsche or Whoever. McLaren, anybody. They've got, they've got some, some just Dead wood at the bottom. Some idiots out there, some guys that are just you know, cracking people over the head and stealing money out of their pockets and you know, whatever it is, just doing things the wrong way. Yep. You know? And because of that, when you have a guy like me that's going to do everything the right way and try everything they can to and make it work. And you're putting your name above the door. Correct. So it will be C.J. Wilson McLaren. Correct. Or C.J. Wilson, yeah. Honda, or whatever. When it's when it's when I'm able to, right? right. Sometimes I'm not able to, Understand. you know. But but when I am, am able to, yes. And I will be be on the YouTube commercials and all that stuff. Because the thing is, I'm just a car guy. At the end of the day, I'm not a salesperson. I'm a car guy. So when I try to, if I'm at the Mazda store and someone comes in, they're like, "Oh, why a Mazda six or why a CX five? I know why because I drive the cars. If someone says, "Why the six fifty? Why the six seventy five? Why the P one? Why the five seventy? I can totally go through each one and. Because I know the cars, you know, and this all I do is, you know, much to my wife's chagrin, I have two monitors up all the time, and she's, you know, she walks in at like two in the morning, like, "Come to bed, what are you doing?" And I'm like, "I'm learning about cars. I found the end of the internet. And look at this. <laughs> this is a development photo of the next Mazda Speed, whatever. You know what I mean? And this is like, this is the this is the Miata Targa. And she's like, really." You saw that four months ago. I'm like, yeah, I know, but now they know about it, you know? So yeah. it's just it's just what I like. I don't really watch a lot of TV. You know, I watch my – like a couple of my friends have TV shows. I watch those shows, and that's pretty much it. So, you know, my three or four hours a day of downtime is really on the computer, mm-hmm. looking and researching and doing stuff like that, whether it's classic but cars it's emotional, or isn't it? It's an emotional buy. It's like going motor racing. There's a competitive element, but there's also an emotional element. When you oh, buy I, get, car, I get weepy when I'm at the track sometimes because I get so proud because I think it's so cool – Especially when you think about, and you, you know, you're obviously a racing historian. You know how this goes. Like the people that go race at like Goodwood and stuff like that, that are driving these cars, the the classic cars that stand for something that they won Le Mans in the '60s or the '40s or whatever it is. Like those dudes used to risk their lives every time they turned the key on and every time they went into turn one. Every single time, the cars are very safe now, especially with sports cars. So we have cages and fire systems and all that stuff. Thankfully, right? Mm-hmm. But part of me thinks with motorcyclists and and, and stuff like that that our, especially with motorcyclists, because I'm a, I'm a I'm a bike rider as well. I ride dirt bikes and I ride road bikes. Like I know what risks there are, and I'm willing to do that because the sensation and the freedom of riding a motorcycle is something you can't replicate unless you have wings and you go. Just you know, talking about it the other day about the that wonderful feeling. When you've ridden a bit of road, you might know it, you might not know it, but you get to the end of it. And you can remember every bit of it, but you actually can't remember any of the controls that you put, the control motion that you put into it because it was so at one that you just flowed through it. Because it didn't exist a time, as a time, it existed as a moment. Yeah. That just stayed like a hum through the whole deal. And that's something that, that's the zone. And that's, that's, what, that's what being in the zone feels like. I find like. that on a bike much more than a car. Correct. Yeah, because there's more there's more physical input, and there's less. You, you're reducing all the um, the insulation. But so the interesting uh, thing is, as well, I'm finding myself becoming more interested in driving older cars. I've just bought a 968 Club Sport. I did see this photo, and I was sent this photo, and I now just want to drive it all the time. Right. Because I feel connected with the car in a way that so many new cars isolate you. There's nothing wrong with that. 
They are very clever, but I feel slightly isolated from that. But, but you, you know what it is, though, that right when about OBD2 came out as the as the uh, en- engine software, the ECU software and stuff like that, cars started to get dumber, right? They started to get dumbed down. They started to get less sharp. They started to get less specificity to them. So before that, in the 80s and the 90s and 70s and 60s, it was a muscle car, right? It was a European sports car. It was a Grand Tour. And there was a feel to that car. And now it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, my E63 wagon can do a buck eighty on the yeah, autobahn. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's like every car can do everything now. So, I think you've, we've gotten to the point now where we're all in the vanilla aisle at, at, of the ice cream shop, and we're like, How, we need to go back. We need to Where's go back. Where's the reason? Right. Well, yeah, exactly. Where's the caramel? Where's the caramel fudge? You know what I mean? So you need to go back for even something that doesn't necessarily taste good, or you know, it's really not good for you, like a motorcycle. <laughs> Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Your back hurts. You know, you get all sweaty. You hit the brakes too hard, and your nuts get smashed on the tank. You know, if you're a man. I don't yeah. have that problem. See, you're lucky. <laughs> but see, the thing is that like there's something to that that visceral raw living. You know what I mean? It's like people really like that, and and. You know, it's good in small taste. You can't eat it every day, but you can, you can try that like once a weekend or twice a week or something like that. And unless necessity means that you have to ride a bike all the time for you know for whatever reasons, like you know you live in Kathmandu and that's the only way to get to the town is on your little, you know, Honda 50 or something. I just think that I think that racing taps you back into that same thing as well. And so when you're out on the track and you have that sort of sensation of like the tire adhesions right on the limit. And you're going faster than you've ever gone before. And that's, I, I don't know, I try to relate it to people and say, listen, racing is about self-improvement. Yes. You know what I mean? It's not about ego, okay? It's not. It's about self-improvement and challenging yourself and staring your fear in the face and 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 figuring out a solution of how you can beat the problem. And coming out the other end. Yeah, it's critical thinking skills, you know what I mean? But in a, because you, you, now with data and all this stuff, it's so much logic and so much math it's not just i'm gonna go faster than you because go get in a foot race if you want to do that you know go punch somebody you go go be a boxer if you want to be that simple but even but we have so much technique that we can dissect and go through everything now it's so fascinating for the kids that used to play with legos that i mean you know now you can be an engineer and engineer race cars and engineer cars it's 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 fantastic i love it cj great to have you Good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks, guys. Congratulations to you, to the whole team. And I know that the, the team's worked really hard for it. And uh, we'll have you back on again for another CJ Wilson half hour. That was brilliant. That was yeah. half an hour like that. Wow. All right. <laughs> Midweek Motorsport. <laughs> okay. Thanks, CJ. CJ Wilson with us live on uh, Midweek Motorsport from Texas. Uh, maybe should we, we just, just have a... Really should just have a CJ Wilson half hour every month or something. Yeah, well, if we did a long one, it'd be a very long one indeed. <laughs> Those guys racing at the weekend, and of course, we will be covering that race live uh, over on IMSA Radio uh, here this weekend. Uh, now, let's uh, get back to Nick Damon, who was listening in. Uh, I'm sure wrote that. That was a brilliant, brilliant uh, half hour with CJ. Thanks for taking the time. Um, were you out on your TR4 today? I was. I mean, when you're talking about these modern 90s cars you're running around in, John, honestly, you know, it's the, it's the 60s. You know, she's passed the MOT. She's running marvellously. Seriously, it actually was running really well. I was, I, was, I was surprised how well everything... It's actually now, in a situation where it's running so well, something has to go wrong. Uh, Adam Green, by the way, says he works at Home Depot and he would love to do the tyres for CJ Wilson. Have apron, will travel, is hashtag there. Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Formula One. Uh, 
Um, really? Uh, no, I, I would like to. I want to okay. get this out of the way because I'll forget otherwise. Um, Singapore this weekend, which is a bit of a bizarre race uh, because it's not on the lo- it's, it's one of the few that's not on the local time zone, is it? Yeah, they, they, it's a night race. It has a couple of uh, unique things about it. First of all, it's the only uh, properly night race, and they've moved it so it's effectively on the same time zones as uh, the UK, or actually as Central Europe. So the drivers don't actually kind of get up at get up at four in the morning, and that's the so we go to bed at two in the morning, get up about two in the afternoon, and it, it mimics because they're about eight hours ahead. Um, which means that first practice uh, on Friday is the only only bit of running they do in the daylight um, because it's before it's got dark in Singapore at that point. Um, one of the other things about it is it's actually a foreign event. Um, so one of the new flyway events has actually been really, really successful and has its uh, um, guarantee of <laughs> carrying on for many years to come. It's, it's come up with an instant classic under the lights. And it is unique in the fact, again, well, from last year, that Mercedes made a complete muck-up of it. Uh, and we're nowhere. I think they, they managed fourth and a non-finished in, in the last race. So uh, everyone's very excited that there's a chance that Ferrari or Red Bull might beat um, Mercedes on pace. So that's what's unique about it this week. Uh, and also a race that Mercedes had a nightmare at last year. It was their worst race of the season, wasn't it? Yep, was they? They just just didn't. Uh, they never got. No, they never really kind of published what their problem was. They never kind of said, "Oh, it was this or the other." They said it might be a combination of the the, the the high temperatures. They blamed the fact that it was the race before that the the, the um, uh, tire pressures went up and they hadn't got used to it. So they are they're, they're saying it's not going to be as bad as last year, but they're not suggesting they're going to make up the, the almost two seconds there off the pace. So it's it's made everyone excited. <laughs> but we know well, what's going to happen. Well, at least it won't be happen. their worst, worst race this year. They can't do anything for Barcelona. Well, well, they could, because they could both not finish and not start in the front row. Fair point. Um, do we expect Mercedes-Benz to have learned their lessons and uh, to do what they've been doing all season, lock out the front row and cruise off into the distance? No, I think Red Bull are going to win. It's a, it's a small, it's a, it's a short circuit. They were very, very close in Monaco. Um, the engine's improved since then. My guess is that it's a very good chance for Red Bull to win this one. But it's it, the, it, the, the interesting thing about it, what actually makes it a very interesting race, is it gives an opportunity for either Nico Rosberg or Lewis Hamilton to get some drivers in between each other to get a major point swing one way or the other. Because if if one of them makes as bad a start as Lewis did in, in um, Monza, it's not going to be a case of cruising up and getting yourself into second place after nine laps. It's going to be a real slog to try and make up those places lost. And as it's li- unlikely they're going to lock out the front row, I think that's the intrigue for the championship. You could actually get a decent point swing one way or the other. Um, we've been talking in the last few weeks about the driver market. Williams, of mm-hmm. course, have got a, a vacancy. Um I'm mm. now hearing that uh, a certain young Lance Stroll will at least be their development stroke spare driver next year and might even be getting the seat ahead of Philippe Nazaire. Well, it's, it, it, do you want to give it to an experienced and well-funded Brazilian or an experienced and unbelievably well-funded son of a billionaire Canadian? Um that's really the choice, isn't it? And my guess is, I think Lance has to just pull out a few more points. I think he actually has got enough points in Super License now to go straight in. And my guess is money will talk, whether Banco Brazil can provide enough 
for Nazir to claim the seat because Nazir is quite talented for a year and they keep strolling the back burner um, and actually try and give him some runouts rather than just standing back with the headphones on. Um, and if nothing, if Nazir doesn't, they think it, sorry, if they think they make even more money out of Lance, and they will take a risk and effectively have a one man or well, yeah, a one man team attack with Valtteri Bottas. Um, what else is happening in Formula One that I need to know about? Give me a. Uh, is, is there any Nothing. other bullet points for you? I, I, I have to say it has. Well, apart from the fact, of course, that we last week when Nick was in Scandinavia, um, we sort of talked about what might happen after the seal. The seal has now gone through, and the first mm. thing that the new owners have said about Formula One is we're not going to Americanize it, which to me means they're going to Americanize it. Well, the only th- what they have said is that there's been this already uh, this concept they've asked Bernie to stay on for three years and he'll be 88 and uh, which is you know you're playing some odds there in the first place but they've also said that it might Bernie might step down at the end of the year um what they have said is that they're going to start looking at activating social media better and trying to address the aging fan base and in, in fairness, a company like Liberty Media, who obviously have um, uh, their fingers in a number of uh, very popular uh, pies, um, would say to me that's that's the best thing to do. But I think they're, they're clever enough to know that not to fix the bits that aren't broken. And what is, I think, currently, one of the biggest problems is, um, and of course, next year is a brave new dawn with complete new regulations. So we have no idea if it's going to be a disastrous move or, or an inspired one yet. So you just got to try and uh, wipe away some of the negative publicity because actually it's still quite an entertaining series, but everyone has, it's just trendy to be negative about it at the moment. Um, before we move on, uh, our third Where's Johnny clue from Tim. Any guesses yet? I haven't seen any. I think you've stumped everybody, to be honest. I think. I, I, haven't, I, I haven't heard the first two. The first two is uh, Johnny... Where is Johnny's uh, tonight's game? Uh, he's he's gone to a place where he speaks a language. Right, Birmingham, right. and he may <laughs> he may have got a lift there with Marvin. The paranoid, the paranoid android. android. The Martian. Marvin the Martian. Marvin the paranoid android was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So has he gone to the restaurant at the end of the universe? The answer is 42. That's where he was parking cars, wasn't he? Here I am, brain the size of a planet. Mm. So what's clue three? I'm, st- I'm stumped. Clue three, please. Clue three. Uh, he uh, clearly wasn't too overwhelmed because he said there were no surprises. No surprises? No surprises. Everything was exactly as he expected. Right, okay, I'm, I'm, I've got to say. That's Becky Tayman, if you're to. listening and you uh, can guess uh, where Johnny went uh, on Sunday. Was it, based was it uh, Step that defined a wife? <laughs> Stop it. Not the correct um, answer, Nick. Question uh, from me. Uh, lots of people, yeah. by the way, thank you for the very kind things uh, that you've said about CJ, who was just with us, CJ Wilson. If you didn't hear it, it'll be on the... Uh, on the podcast, um, Mercedes-Benz suspension causing a bit of a um, a bit of a Twitter <laughs> on Twitter. What's all this about? Well, I have no idea if it's true or not. But as we probably remember, Frick 
front rear interconnected suspension was banned last year or perhaps the year before and the idea of frick is to use a hydraulic system held within the car chassis to balance the suspension front and rear almost like hydrolytic suspension on an old mini but it, it means you can get an element of control of roll and pitch which is obviously absolutely key um for the making the aerodynamic platform as as stable as possible now, what they're saying is, is that Mercedes have employed some element of that, getting around a rule situation that says you aren't allowed to have anything inside the chassis by placing some sort of frick-based units uh, in the gap where the bump in the nose used to be. If you remember back three years ago, all the noses had a big um, bend in them, a big, big dropout, which was then covered by a vanity slot to make them look prettier. There's a bit of space there, which is theoretically actually outside the chassis, and therefore you could theoretically put some suspension fricking stuff in there. Be careful I say this, actually. Um, but whether that's actually happening, I don't know. Whether they just want to ban it in case it can happen, I don't know. But you know, I think the, the understanding is that... that, that uh, Probably the idea is to make sure if it is there, it doesn't carry on to 2017. But um, if, if they have done it, I, again, it's a bit like some of the stuff Adrian does. You have to give him back a, a slap on the back of him and say, well done. I think we've got a winner. Really? From I, On Where's Johnny? Uh, first of all, Rotation said Hitchhiker's Guide currently airing on Radio 7, BBC Radio 7 on Saturday. And then goes into clearly Blackpool Johnny went to see Radiohead just need to find out when they were, where they were playing. And Andrew H. beat him to it, fastest finger first. Has Johnny gone to Lollapalooza in Berlin to watch Radiohead? That's the correct answer. Very good. Johnny speaks German. Johnny speaks German, yes. <laughs> Get that quiet. He's never helped us out when he'd been at the Nürburgring and we needed the key for the well, Lounge 30, has he? Never but did he get a pizza with no sauce? He's big ones. He's been once. How many years have we done it? Eight? Yes, I don't know, but he still wasn't any help. Anyway. who speaks German. Fluently. Yes. Absolutely fluently. Uh, better than me. Uh, yeah, we always let him book the table. He's very good at that. <laughs> um, so, we don't know what's going to happen with Mercedes. Uh, has anybody complained about it, Nick? I mean, that, that's, uh, uh, no, the they haven't complained. They've just said they don't want it carrying on. Because I think it's uh, actually legal by the legend. They're not doing anything wrong. They've just, been, they've just done the thing of being cleverer again. Um, yes. And so if they are doing it. It's not illegal. It's just cleverer. And everyone doesn't want to waste money developing it. So they just want to get it officially written into the rules. It's not allowed. So that Mercedes can't carry it over. For, for next year. But they're not suggesting, yeah. as in no. the movable mass damper thing, that it has to be disappeared it's before it's the end of the season. decision, but carry on from that. I, I think at this point in the season, the other teams have all... Uh, Decided up. that uh, Mercedes aren't going to be beaten, so uh, um, stopping them from using something for the rest of this season is going to make no real difference. Uh, Mortal GP. Uh, before we do another Williams story. Oh, sorry. Uh, which is uh, okay. they're back in profit this year. That's actually no small feat. Only small oh, have they had all the have they had all the payments early? <laughs> <laughs> Oops. No. Nope. Was that you? Right. That was so me. That I dropped something. Oh, it was Nick. Okay. Um, Mortal GP, then. There was a race. I know. Mizano, was it? Yes. I completely and, and utterly forgot about it. No, it, it's the one race of the year where 
um, the person who I don't know why they bother keeping on employing him in top factory rides suddenly wakes up and not only he hasn't had him massage an individual race of the year when saying Danny Pedroza remembers he's a double world champion well, a triple world champion the smaller classes um, and comes alive and just does something remarkable and wins a race from, from nowhere and that's what he did at the weekend uh, he won uh, Rossi the, was second I'm sorry? All that, all that happens when he does that is I want to get hold of him and shake him and say, where's that been all week? Or all year, rather. Where's that Where's that form? Where's that talent? He clearly still has got it, but he just doesn't apply himself. Well, it happened, the back end of last year happened as well, didn't it? And, and that was because he'd got over his arm pump injury. This time they say he's now finally getting to grips with the uh, Michelin tyre that was introduced this year. I think it was just one of those days when it all came together. And, and obviously he still, you know, uh, formed his temporary class, his permanent. So he managed to win it. Um, more importantly, well, not really, but the, Rossi was second, uh, Lorenzo was third, and Marquez was fourth. So the point gain, again, for Rossi was a few, but he's still 43 back with five races to go. So the new intelligent Mark Marquez just has to keep finishing near, there or thereabouts, and he'll pick up his uh, his third uh, top-class world championship. And Lorenzo was a big, um, I can't really say it, which but well, it was a big girl, basically, and moaned about how Rossi overtook him in lap one in for, when it was just... A normal motor GP he made him sit up a bit on the foot in the corner again, and he had a real go at him in the press conference like a big whinger. Really? What? Yeah. A professional, a professional sportsman having a whinge about something. You see, it wasn't fair how 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 Rossi they were taking. It was far too hard, and he wasn't. He just got up the inside and made him sit up. I mean, yeah, it happens like he was. Yeah, it wasn't like he was knocked off the track. He was. Just was a t- you know, tenth of a second behind him. It was like he even lost more than two or three tenths. But you got, I don't know. I think he's, he's he's obviously he had got pole. He's been trying to get himself back in in the zone after the difficulties having the last few races. And I suppose he didn't like being uh, upset and pushed off his um uh, his, his 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 rhythm so early. But um, yeah, he's not covering himself with uh, with glory really this year in any respect. Um, just because I haven't mentioned it so far, it doesn't really fit into this part of the programme, but if I don't know it now, I'll forget. Congratulations to Johnny Adam for defending the British GT Championship and um, a, a fantastic dogfight at Donington um, last weekend. Uh, well done to him. Um, the, uh, I'm, I'm literally, I, I haven't got time to say very much more uh, than that. Uh, although it was, as I say, it was a pretty good uh, race up there. Uh, I'm wondering what's happening to our, se- our season, um, our championship leaders here in the IMSA support class. Uh, Shinya Mishimi, who is another dominant leader in the pro part of the Lamborghini Blancpain Super Trofeo, uh, having done 10 laps out there. Uh, no, no he, laps. he hasn't gone out yet. That's half the, That's why he's down in 21st position. He's Sector 1, he got stuck out there. For uh, seventeen hundred seconds through sector one, so that will have that's been the time he's been sitting in the pitch. He's on his outlap now, uh, with nine minutes twenty left. It's uh, Richard Antonucci who's got the best time for the seventeen car uh, with a two or nine three. That's that's not hanging about round here. Two or nines. Um, British Superbike team. What do you want to say about that? Yes. Well, uh, we've had nineteen races in the British Superbike Championship now this season. Uh, seven have been won by Leon Haslam, seven have been won by Shane Byrne, and five have been won by everyone else put together. 
Mm. Now, you I might mean, think that this was a bit of a two-horse race. But it of is. course it isn't, because it's a six-horse race because of their showdown, which uh, really. is like the chase. It is a bit yeah, like the it, chase, isn't it? It is the chase, but the Hasman and, and Shane Byrne are 30 points and 33 points ahead of the next person along. That is true. Jason O'Halloran. Halloran. But there are still seven races to go and you get 25 points for a win. But there's no reason to think they're going to lose form, is there? Um, well, well, World Superbike's back as well this week. Did, have they all been on holiday for three months? No, well, World Superbike have got the longest break ever. I don't think they're right. back until about November, are they? <laughs> I, don't, I didn't. I think they're back this weekend. I think. Mm, I think you might be right. Actually, it just seems like a long time. I don't know how I managed to miss uh, uh, MotoGP at the weekend. Maybe because I was running about like a fool, getting everything together. They're about to uh, produce for this fights, trip. though. Um, yes, go on. A couple of uh, notable names that have missed out on the showdown, including Michael Laverty, who only just missed out. Uh, he was seventh. Uh, with in the chase two um, wins to his name but has not made it into the top six um, yes he'd not be a very happy bunny so it, just, just to prove the point um, the last round of um, World Superbikes World Super was the 8th to the t- was the 10th of July at um, Laguna Seca and then after Lautzett's ring after two months and a week but they'll all have lovely tans which yeah. <laughs> which is good. Which is excellent. They got four rounds. They now pack four rounds into about six weeks. Uh, okay, that seems good. Uh, remind you, listening to Midweek Motorsport, we've got uh, just over six minutes still to run tonight. Uh, trailing forward for the weekend, a hugely packed program of sports car loveliness. Uh, all here at the Circuit of the Americas. Check the schedule for details. As usual, full coverage of every session of the IMSA WeatherTech Championship uh, will have qualifying and the whole race live for the Continental uh, Tyres Sports Car Challenge. Uh, we've got Lamborghinis and Porsches this weekend as well. Porsches out on Circuit of the Moment with six minutes left. And still Shinji Mishimi hasn't done a flying lap. He's come straight back round into the Pitao Championship leader, and it's still uh, Richard... Hey, how about this, uh, Tim? You'll, you'll appreciate this. Richard Antonucci uh, is half a second ahead of Enrico Benaldi at the top of the Lambo field. Formula 4 driver beating Formula 3 champion. And yes, the Formula 1 they, they, were, they weren't quite contemporaries, whether Benaldi would have been a bit ahead of Antonucci. Yes, Bernoldi was late 90s. Antonucci was about 01, I think, in this country. Yeah, I'd agree. It all, I'm trying to see it who all else is in there. That, uh, now. Steph Wilson is out at the moment. Uh, seventh in Pro-Am and 11th position at the moment. And uh, Effectively, in fairness, Richard Antonucci is a factory driver here. He's been doing a lot of the development for that. It's been fantastic racing. Uh, and you will be able to catch up with it here and of course uh, over on imsa.com and the imsa app if you haven't downloaded that why not because you'll be able to watch in sound and vision uh, together uh, right what have you got to finish off the program tim we're going to finish with something uh something fun 
Now, Ray. I'll tell you. Uh, four months ago, I heard whispers of something new called Formula UK, uh, but could find oh, yes. nothing at all about it. Uh, and yes. then this week, uh, they've tweeted for a second time. Um, yes. And they have got a website now. Prolific users of social media. They had a website before, it just didn't have any information on it, and really it still <laughs> doesn't. Um, Formula UK is a brand new single seater series, um, which should excite me because it's at the Formula 3000 level. Ooh. Yep. Um, and it's going to race exclusively in the UK. UK nice. Formula 3000. Fantastic. Something which we have three whole drivers. 20 years. Uh, but this time, they're not going to make the mistake of trying to run during the summer. They've got a calendar which will start on December the 4th <laughs> and run until March. Sorry, in England? Sorry. In the in UK, the British Isles. there's in nothing the British stopping Isles. them from going to Wales. Well, Do they is, have snow tyres? Wales isn't built. <laughs> yeah, but this is starting in December 2017 and running to March 2018, by which time it might be built. But hang on, I've, I've, just a loophole. I've, I've got a loophole here. If you hold all the rounds at the Circuit of Wales, they could then sell their rounds to Aragon, Portimao, Jerez, and it could be nice and warm. Misano. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> excellent what, thought. What's, what do you think the first issue is going to be of racing, let's say, at Snetterton in, on December the 4th? Um, it's going to be dark longer than it's light. Yes. Are they going to squeeze in two sprint races and a feature race in a day? <laughs> Only if the it's sprint races are a lap and the feature race is two. Mm. Uh, what other issues might you experience at Snetterton in December? Uh, Chilblains. Um, uh, a tremendous issue of the entire watching public having frostbite. Uh, and of course, Both the Christmas market. Christmas market, yes. Uh, so, my challenge. I want to see them go to Croft. <laughs> I, I went to Croft. In, I went to Croft in February, and uh, it took us until midday to clear all the snow off the track mm-hmm. before before we could even start putting race cars out there. Uh, uh, Alex Brown has just tweeted at Spectatement, and looking on the bright side here, Formula UK Winter Series. Uh, Formula 3000 level, basically an elongated training session for incident marshals. If any of them are still alive by the end of the day, um, or not in cryogenic stasis. I just wondering at what pub conversation <laughs> someone thought that was a good idea. Well, this is my challenge. Can you come up with a concept for a racing series more ridiculous than this? Yes. So a winter series in the UK with slick tyres, wings, Formula 3000 yeah, we're, level. We're looking at cars with close to 700 brake horsepower here. Mm. How uh, about this, the this from MotoGP Championship? Uh, it's lovely in the summer. Rotation says Formula UK can run a Croft at the same time as one of the rallies. That would be fun. And Right Turn Lover says, will the Formula UK front wing double as a snow plough? <laughs> <laughs> the International Snow Plough Championship. We wait with bated breath for your thoughts and we'll talk about them next week. 
here on Midweek Motorsports. Uh, at Specutainment, at Radio Le Mans, um, a, a championship then that uh, has less going for it, shall we say, and then Formula UK as a winter series. Uh, as uh, most ridiculous series ideas. What about Super League Formula, somebody says? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it makes Super League Formula sound really quite a uh, sane business proposition. Uh, bear in mind they're estimating that uh, budgets for this uh, championship will be around £300,000. What cars oh, are they going to have? It's been 250 I was going to do it. Oh, maybe I could lend you some. Oh, that's fine, fine yeah. You sponsor, I'll do your back garden. That's the way, isn't it? Yes. Although by the way, I'm in my new house with a much bigger garden. So, what's Ooh, what your, uh, what's what your uh, be careful, be careful. Now, as yeah. we come to the end of this special program from the Circuit of the Americas, I can tell you that as far as the Lamborghini Blancpain Super Trofeo. Uh, is concerned. Order has been restored, if not in this last two hours, then certainly here, as the chequered flag came out, Shinya Mishimi went round, and on his fourth flying lap, has gone to the top of the charts with a 209.167. Full coverage of that, uh, and all of the rest of the IMSA action on the circuit of the America's track here over the weekend. Check uh, IMSA.com or RadioLamont.com for details. That's over on uh, IMSA Radio, of course. It'll be Johnny and Paul Trustwell for the WEC on Saturday. It's a late start on Saturday. Six hours difference between here in Texas and you back in the UK. Graham Goodman and myself on TV duty, of course. Have a great sports car weekend. Thanks to CJ Wilson, to Marshall Pruitt and to Nick Damon. Our special guest here was Shea Adam and our executive producer, Tim Gray, back in London. The responsible adult, as ever, uh, was Eve Hewitt. And thanks to Brian and our technical team here for getting us set up so that we could get on the, te- on the air in plenty of time. It's a big weekend ahead of us. Hope you can join us for some, most, or preferably all of it. But there's no time to explain. The Llama is back and has on a Stetson. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.